welcome to another episode of Fig Pie True Crime. This is a sort of serious but also not really podcast that is done by myself, Ryan, Applepies96, and Fig Leaf Plays, or Josh, as I will be calling him. Hey. Today is the day we've all been waiting for, um, when we're going to get all of Josh's inner thoughts and beliefs about the case of John Benet Ramsey. It's the day! Oh boy! Oh boy! So, to kind of break the fourth wall real quick, uh, anyone who knows, Josh and I usually stream on Sunday nights. Yeah. And he said to me on Friday, he said, hey, let's not stream on Sunday. Or it was yesterday. It was yesterday. You said, let's not stream on Sunday. Let's get this done. I've been waiting and my thoughts need to be heard. Yeah, it was just like, it's like a waiting to do this episode, so... So, uh, a quick background for anyone who doesn't actually know about the death of John Benet Ramsey. I'd be shocked if you don't. We'll start with that because it's a very well-known case. Um, the death of John Benet Ramsey is about a little girl who died at the age of six years old in her own home. She was found strangled. Uh, she was also a beauty pageant, like a child beauty pageant queen. Like, she was winning pageants and stuff like that. Um. It was a case that really shook the world, kind of, or at least the country, because who would go into a family's home and strangle the child just to leave her in the basement? The hot takes are starting now, by the way. Child, oh, I was going to let you get there when we get to the part about it, but go for it. Child beauty pageants are gross and, like, should not exist. Oh, like... this is the hot take you meant. I thought you were going with a different one. Yeah, no, agreed. <laughs> No, like, like, why the why the the my my the entirety of my uh the entirety of my uh thing with this is just like, why is this a thing? Holy shit! Like, do they know how much? Like, like, yeah, it's fine. Do you know how much actual danger they they're putting those girls in? What you're putting? By the in... way, um, just so you know, Josh, I am a child model. Didn't know if you knew that. Um, like, actually, I was a model as a child. Really. Yes, actually, there. I was in a magazine. Like, <laughs> it was a toy magazine. They had me like get dressed up as a little uh, archaeologist, and I had to like do some poses with some like wooden dinosaurs. Oh, that's adorable. There. It, next time you come to my house, I'll show you. There's a picture on the wall downstairs. <laughs> I mean, that's cute. That's not what I mean. That... Yeah, I know. I just wanted to give you shit and be like, "Excuse me, <laughs> I was a child model." I. So we're gonna jump into this thing that I don't know if either of us necessarily want to talk about, but Josh wants to get his takes out in the world. Yep. Because let's be real, for lack of any other terms to describe this case, it's kind of gross, disturbing. I remember the first time I listened to it, I cringed because of one of the suspects and how they talked about this six... I'm gonna stress this a lot. She was six. Like, what, when, like what year did this happen? Um, I, I've been hearing about this thing in my entire life. This this incident happened three months like the like I like well when I was like I think I'm like around the same age as she he would have been. You were born in nineteen ninety, right? Yeah. Yeah, she was born August sixth, nineteen ninety. She died December twenty fifth, nineteen ninety six. Yeah. Josh, do you know how old I was when she died? You were like two, right? No. I was born in May 1996. <laughs> oh, so you were like... I uh, That was my very first Christmas. <laughs> You're a wee baby when that happened. 
yeah, to again break the fourth wall. I'm gonna be 25 in May. 25, parent of two. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so the first section about Miss John Bonet is just talking about her life. It's his life in internment. Um, and as I always specify before we actually say much, um, we are reading a Wikipedia article. Yeah. If you don't like it, fuck off. Go read it yourself. Um, but this is how we do the, the podcast because it's interesting. Because for some reason, one of the only things people don't fuck with on Wikipedia are crimes. Thank God they don't. But like, you look at some pages and they like bullshit things. And it's like with cases, they don't. And I think it's because there's like a dedicated group of people who enjoy this so much that they keep the facts in like a book almost. And they'll scan the Wikipedia pages and go, that's not right. There's like multiple subreddits of people who like, who like keep that, keep, keep what are the true facts. Oh, I'm so dumb. And I just realized what interment meant for anyone who didn't know. And you're like me, uh, Barry, where she was buried. <laughs> yeah. Um, so John Benet Ramsey was born in 1990 in Atlanta, Georgia. The younger of two children of Patricia or Patsy Ramsey and John Be uh, John Bennett Ramsey. Uh, she had an older brother named Burke. Uh, John Benet's first name combines her father's first and middle names, and her mother's first name was used as her middle name. She was enrolled in kindergarten in High Peaks Elementary School in Boulder, Colorado. And John Benet's body was found on December 26, 1996, in her family's Boulder residence. She was buried at St. James Episcopal Cemetery in Marietta, Georgia, on December 31st. John Bonet was interred next to her much older half sister, Elizabeth Pash Ramsey, who died in a car crash nearly five years earlier at the age of 22. Well, so, you know what that little sentence right there just taught me? What? I didn't know she had a much older half sister. It's not very well much talked about because, like, I mean, there's good reason. It has nothing to do with the case, really. And like, I get why. It's just like that was a, a neat thing that I didn't know. I, just, I was like, oh, I didn't know she had an older sister i just knew about burke and don't worry we're gonna get to him yeah because uh, i think like yet yeah, like would you really want to dig into a family tragedy that was fairly like open and shut like that when you're talking about like something that is that's that's can i say the word controversial i, I guess it's controversial this case is very controversial yeah and i'm just gonna say this right now without even going any further I'm going to throw out a trigger warning, because there's probably going to be some shit in here that's going to trigger people. And Josh might trigger people with how his hot takes come out, so yeah. there's your warning. I'm going to be... And when, when I say that, Josh is not trying to be offensive to anybody, but these are his opinions, and I told him I wanted to hear them, so... Yeah, I'm going to try to be careful about the way that I say stuff. Oh, don't be, because if you don't like it, kindly fuck off. Um, <laughs> Anything else before we move on? Go ahead. So, now we're going to talk about the parents, specifically. John Ramsey was a businessman who was the president of Access Graphics, a computer software company that later became a subsidiary of Lockheed Martin. Oh. His first... Oh. I remembered huh? what I was going to say. Yeah, what was it? How uh, self-fulfilling do you have to be that, like, your, your youngest daughter is named after fucking the both of you? <laughs> oh, yeah. That, was, that bugged me when I read it. I was like, are you kidding me? That'd be like if we named our daughter, like if we had a daughter, we named her Molly Joseph Brown. 
or if we named Charlotte Laura Ryan May. Yeah, like that's like at least fucked. At least grandparents, like, come on, like, why is she like named after her mom? I want this part in the podcast. By the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna say exactly what I said to you to Laura. I want her reaction real quick. Ready? Okay. So Laura, John Bonet was named after a combination of her father's first and middle names as her first name, and her mother's first name as her middle name. What would you do if we did that with Charlotte? No. And she was either Laura Elizabeth Ryan May, or she was Ryan, uh, Laura Ryan May. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. His name is John Bennett. Her name is John Benet. At least two grandparents' names. Come on. Fucking Christ. As someone with with a child and one due on Friday. uh, Sorry. What the fuck? (laughs) How, uh, how, how, like, how, like, obsessed with yourself do you have to be? Well, this dude clearly he was a president of a company, Josh, so he clearly has a big ego. Um Yeah. I'm sorry, like, this is not a character assassination of the Ramses, by the way. No, no, <laughs> I'm just like I'm I'm just like I'm just I'm just like this is the only time I'm ever gonna get to say like this is the only why? time I'm ever gonna get to say like why did you name her after yourself? Like there's a million things you can name your kid. Anyway, move on. So, John Ramsey's first marriage ended in divorce in 1978. John's two surviving adult children, a son and a daughter, lived elsewhere. In 1991, John had moved with his second wife and family to Boulder, where Axis Graphics headquarters was located. Patsy Ramsey entered John Bonet in various child beauty pageants in Boulder, where she won the titles of America's Royal Miss, Little Miss Charlevoix, I think that's how you say that, Little Miss Colorado, Colorado State All-Star Kids Cover Girl and National Tiny Miss Beauty. John mm. Bonet's active role in child beauty pageants and Patsy's reported pageant mother behavior were reported in the media after the murder. In the summer of 1997, approximately six months after John Bonet's death, the Ramseys moved to a new home in Atlanta after a summer retreat of their uh, vacation at their retreat in Charlevoix, Michigan. Patsy died of ovarian cancer at the age of 49 in 2006. She was interred next to her daughter. Josh, I heard you growl when I mentioned all the names of the, the pageants. Would you like to elaborate? It's just like... Hate well, I Tyler heard that. It just made me die, man. I, I, was, I just... I'm like, just naming them and all of a sudden... <laughs> I hate child beauty pageants as a concept. Like, it just crawls. Like, it makes my skin crawl. I feel like if you, I, I, I feel like if, I feel like there's something wrong with you if you're like, if you, if you're like willing to subject your daughter to that. For, for the record, I will never subject my child to that unless they like specifically ask to be, and I don't think they would. Yeah, just don't ever put on toddlers and tiaras in your house. Right? There's way better television. <laughs> yeah, right now we're in a Paw Patrol. I would, I would rather spend the rest of my life watching nothing but Paw Patrol than watch a single episode of Toddlers and Tiaras. So, did you know that there's a, C- a like specific section of Paw Patrol where they're bikers, and they introduced a cat into their group just for when they're bikers? Why? Because they wanted to have a cat, and his name is Wildcat. Aw, pity. He only likes to go fast, like Sonic the Hedgehog. 
Gotta go fast. Gotta go, Gotta go faster, faster, f -f -f faster. Okay. <laughs> like, just the concept of child beauty pageants, just like, oh. Like, because yeah. it's, it's like, because like, we're going to talk about a lot of the things, a lot of the reasons why I would fear ever getting a, my daughter ever involved in something like that if I was to ever have a daughter. Well, gonna... I mean, we can talk about uh, them as soon as we get to the suspect, because God, it's pretty hinted upon. Yeah, because like at least something I'm thinking of. Yeah, because like, because like at the very least, you're like putting them on a the stage for like some some unsavory people. Right. Continue. So now we're gonna talk about the ransom note because this is big. The ransom note is very confusing. According to statements that Patsy gave to authorities on December 26, 1996. She realized that her daughter was missing after she found a two-and-a-half-page handwritten ransom note on the kitchen staircase at the Ramsey family's Boulder residence. The note demanded $118,000, which is equivalent to $192,360 in 2019. John pointed out to, the, uh, to police first on the scene that the amount was nearly identical to his Christmas bonus of the prior year, which suggested that someone who had have, would have access to that information would be involved in the crime. Investigators looked at several theories behind the dollar amount demanded, considering employees at Access Graphics who may have known the amount of John's prior bonus. They also considered the possibility that a ransom demand was a reference to Psalm 118 and spoke to religious sources to determine the possible re uh, relevance. The ransom note was unusually long. The FBI told the police that it was very unusual for such a note to be written at the crime scene. The police believe that the note was staged because it did not have any fingerprints except for Patsy's and authorities who had handled it, and because it included an unusual ex use of exclamation marks and initialisms. The note and a practice draft were written with a pen and notepad in the Ramsey Hall. According to a Colorado Bureau of Investigation report, there are indications that the author of the ransom note is Patricia Ramsey. However, the evidence fell short of definitive conclusion Michael Baden, a board-certified forensic pathologist who had consulted with both sides of the case, said he had never seen a note like this in his 60-year experience, and he did not think it was written by an outsider. A federal court ruled it highly unlikely that Patsy would wrote the note, citing six certified handwriting experts. The court bemoaned the existence of self-proclaimed experts without credentials, trying to wrangle their way into the case by accusing Patsy without scientific basis. I'm, I've never been convinced that the note wasn't staged. So, I'm torn on it. And there's there's reasons why. So, so here's the thing. If, if there was a, if there was a third party kidnapper and they wanted the mother to write the note, why at no point did she ever tell the police that? Like, and that's like what I think is like, that's what... That's what I feel like, like, beyond, like, just, like, before I start wildly accusing Patsy Ramsey of killing her own daughter, because I definitely will be doing that later, um, um, as an, as a, as an option, because there are still people out there who definitely believe that she is involved, that, that, that she either did it or is closely responsible for it, then, like, Years later, or like even on her deathbed, because she died in what twenty fourteen or something like that. Two thousand six. Two thousand six. Yeah. Twenty years 
or uh, not 20 years, 10 years after her daughter died. Why wouldn't she have ever said that? Like, So I'm going to make this statement now, and it's probably going to become evident later. I think you and I are on very opposite spectrums of who we believe did this. Um, yeah. And it's mostly because, and I, I can going to talk about it later, but I'll mention it now. I, and I'm not saying that the parents couldn't have done it. Yeah. I just, and this is coming strictly from me as a parent. I find it very hard to believe that a parent would do this to their own child. You know what I'm saying? So, so. And that's, again, coming from me with my experience of being a parent of a two-year-old who is a monster. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so let me get my big hot take out of the way before, like, we start yelling, you start yelling at me for. I'm not yelling at you. I'm just giving my, yeah, my point right yeah, now. Yeah, so, so my big hot take is not that they definitely, they definitely did it. Either Patsy or John did it. My big hot take is at the very least they were involved and knew what was going on. It was in the some brother. way. That's also a very good prevailing theory. That, I mean, yes, people really actually think the brother did it and that the mother covered it up by writing that out. Yeah, that's a that's another prevailing theory which covers the no, but doesn't Well here's the other thing that um our friends over at BuzzFeed Unsolved, I'm saying friends because we love them, they're great. Yeah. Mentioned about the handwriting. Yeah. That this this specific article didn't. This says that uh, six certified handwriting experts said she's not. Actually, apparently, the handwriting data on Patsy was inconclusive. Meaning, they didn't say she couldn't have done it. It's, we can't prove that she did it, but we can't say she didn't either. It, it, I, I just want to point that out. <laughs> so, there's, there's, so, there's so many logical inconsistencies with the note, and the fact that, like, and and the fact that it went nowhere as far as as far as his like as far as her father's workplace like that like you know like that pretty much went nowhere like who else would know like near the exact amount and like why would you why would someone why so why would someone specifically ask for $118,000 like if you wanted it like that much money and you knew that they had that much money why not just say like 100 or 200,000 like why is it or why not just say a buck 20 yeah or why not say 120,000 why is it exactly 118 it, it's one of those things where i look at this case and yeah. I, I again i think it's because i'm a parent i keep wanting to believe that someone else did it we are going to go through this and you're going to see why it's hard to believe that someone else did it yeah but the problem is is that if we believe everything the family is saying, then it wasn't them. You know what I'm saying? Like it, the evidence that they give doesn't line up. That makes sense. Yeah. Like, they, if, if we were to believe them, it makes sense, but yeah. How they, how, how they acted during that, like that day, like, and we'll, and I'm sure like what you're going to, what you're going to say later is going to bring, is going to mention this. The way that they act, and especially John and Patsy's movements that day and that morning about how they dealt with everything that was happening, are extremely odd. At worst, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, that like that does a lot to do with why I think that they, at the very least, knew something, and like. 
and like Patsy took it, and that that Patsy took it to her grave, and it will never be find out found out. So we're about to talk about the nine one one call and the initial search for John Bonet. Yeah, so this is like this is where this this is a lot of you're gonna talk about it a lot, like like right here, like everything that just sounds immensely odd about how they how they yeah. their movements during that day, especially Patsy's. Well, so this actually I don't think mentions any of their movements. So I just want to point that out. This is very brief and it focuses strictly on the nine one one call and the initial search by police. Yeah, like what they know, what they know for certain. Yeah, right. The only people known to be in the house on the night of John Bonet's death were her immediate family, Patsy and John Ramsey, and their son Burke. The ransom note contains specific instructions against contacting police and friends, but Patsy telephoned the police at five fifty two a.m. Mountain Standard Time. She also called family and friends. Two police officers responded to the 911 call and arrived at the Ramsey home within three minutes. They conducted a cursory search of the house, but did not find any sign of forced entry. Officer Rick French went to the basement and came to a door that was secured by a wooden latch. He paused for a moment in front of the door, but walked away without opening it. French later explained that he was looking for an exit route used by the kidnapper, which closed inside Peg ruled out. John Bonet's body was later found behind the door. With John Bonet still missing, John made arrangements to pay the ransom. A forensics team was dispatched to the house. The team initially believed that the child had been kidnapped, and John Bonet's bedroom was the only room in the house that was cordoned off to prevent contamination of evidence. No precautions were taken to prevent contaminations of evidence in the rest of the house. Meanwhile, friends, victim advocates, and the Ramsey family's minister arrived at the house to show support. Visitors picked up and cleaned surfaces in the kitchen, possibly destroying evidence. Older detective Linda Arndt arrived at 8 a.m. Mountain Standard Time with the goal of awaiting the kidnapper's instructions, but there was never an attempt by anyone to claim the money. So I'm just going to jump in real quick on this because that is the end of that section. The Boulder police did an awful job in this case, like every way. Like, I believe, like, let's just get this out of the way that this case would have been solved already if the Boulder police actually, like, like, we've dealt with the house. We've dealt with some, we've dealt with some severe police incompetency in the cases that we've covered so far. This is by far, by far the worst. The fact that they didn't fucking block off the whole house. Yeah, like, Friends and the minister were inside the house before Wiping her off surfaces before her body was even found. Like, right? Ugh, fucking Christ! Like, it, like. So here's the the <laughs> thing that I was about to say, and this is like the part that's confused, like hard for me. They conducted a cursory search of the house, but did not find any sign of forced entry. So I have an answer as to why there might not have been forced entry. But okay. it blows my mind that this has never been mentioned, right? Okay. Is it possible that the Ramseys had a spare key outside their house somewhere? Like, you know, some people do like those fake rocks, as an example. Like, I'm not saying they had a fake rock, but you get my point. Like, is there a chance they put a, a spare key outside somewhere? And that whoever did this, if it was a, you know, an outside intruder, they stalked around the house the previous night when they were all asleep, found where the key was, went back, got the key, and went in through the front door. Like, that's not that hard to believe, is it? 
so there's a reason why I find that hard to believe because of the snow print that they'll that they'll talk about later on. I mean, yeah, I agree, and that that's what I'm saying though. That's why it makes all of this so weird. Unless they like again, maybe they had it in the direct route where they might have shoveled a path to the house, like the Ramses. Also, I find it hard to believe somebody. If you're getting a hundred thousand dollars, if I'm getting a hundred thousand dollar a year Christmas bonus, Ryan, I am not putting a spare key to my house underneath a rock near my front door. It, again, it doesn't have to be a fucking rock, but you get my point of what I'm trying to say. I I know, but like, <laughs> but, but like, if I'm like, you get what I'm trying to say here, right? Like, if I make a hundred thousand, I'm just like, if I make a hundred thousand dollars a year, like, I'm at least giving it to a neighbor. At the, I'm just trying to rationalize, like. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, I'm just the saying. possibilities. Yeah, I'm just saying, I'm at least giving it to a neighbor, if not putting it in a P.O. box or something. Like, you know, some other place that I can get to it that's also secure. Like, I'm not putting it outside of my house where someone potentially could find it while my daughter is a pageant queen that I... could potentially... <laughs> I mean, also, they weren't that bright if they named their child after themselves. Uh... <laughs> Uh, but so basically what I'm trying to get at here is like if if for some reason my fantasy world where they put a rock on a peg somewhere or a key on a peg somewhere. Why wouldn't they like, if that was the case, why wouldn't they say so? And why wouldn't wasn't that I, I don't I don't believe it because they would have like somebody would have looked into it at some point or at least like they would have been like, well, there's usually a spare key here and oh, it's not there or oh, it's put back the wrong way or. Well, like, that's what I was about to say is, what if the person took it, used it to get in the house, and put it back in the exact same spot? Wearing gloves, which we already mentioned would have been the case why the note wouldn't have been able to have fingerprints tracked on it. I am not saying this happened by any means. This is just me playing devil's advocate saying, maybe that's how someone got in the house. Also, enough evidence was destroyed inside the house that... We even if he don't know shit. Even if he was wearing, even if he wasn't wearing gloves, I don't think they would have caught anything. Are you are you ready for the discovery of the body? Oh yes, which is even worse. Why wouldn't it be? We're talking about the death of a six-year-old. Yep. At one p.m. Mountain Standard Time, Detective Barton asked John Ramsey and Fleet White, a family friend, to search the house to see if anything seemed amiss. They started their search in the basement. John opened the latched door with which Officer French had looked at overlooked and found his daughter's body of the rooms john benet's mouth was covered by with duct tape and a nylon cord was found around her wrists and neck and her torso was covered by a white blanket john picked up the child's body and took it upstairs when john benet was moved the crime scene was further contaminated and critical forensic evidence was disturbed for the returning forensics team each of the ramses provided handwriting blood and hair samples to the police john and patsy participated in a preliminary interview for more than two hours and Burke was also interviewed within uh, the first couple weeks following John Bonet's death. So, if one of them did, in fact, kill her, I feel like, and we're going to read something later that, that con- contracts were about to say, uh, but judging by what we know right now, it, it seems like they were very willing to give the evidence. You know what I'm saying? They really didn't. They, like, what choice do you have in that situation? Refuse? Like, like you could have said, my child is dead and you think I killed her? Like, I'm not saying, again, just humor me here. I'm not saying this is possible, fucking Christ. They're going to they're gonna make them give evidence anyway. They're going to subpoena them or something. Yeah. But they could have just been like, you know, fuck you. My child's dead. How dare you accuse me of killing my child? No, I'm not giving you any evidence because you don't need it. 
and you know what I'm saying? Like anything, just anything. <laughs> I think that would have been even more suspicious. Yeah, but it's just, I feel like them being like so willing to give the information at the same time. Like, I don't know. It just, and again, we aren't there. We don't have the exact conversations that went down, but like, I feel like I would be less, less suspect of them if they willingly gave everything. Yeah, I mean, I kind of get that, but at the same time, like, so this is why this is why my theory is not that they definitely did it. It's more like involved. it's more like they definitely knew more than they were letting on. They definitely knew more than they were letting on the entire time. One of the things that really doesn't stack up to they it was definitely one of the parents or it was definitely one of the parents or her brother theory is that they willingly gave the evidence and that I don't. I don't know, and if it was them, like, why would they be so, be so willing to give up the evidence? But like, so let's so let's let's like let's like brainstorm for a second, Ryan. Like, let's say let's just like drop all pretense, drop all pretense with me for like thirty seconds. What what are we brainstorming exactly? Like, drop all possible theories. No, yeah, drop all pretense for me thirty seconds. Let let's 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 just assume for thirty seconds that they did it. That they did it. Yeah, like one oh, of them. It's easy. Like, like either 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 the mom, the dad, or the brother did it. Like, what option would you have other than to provide your samples? Like, other than that, and do you think this would have been premeditated enough that they would have found a way around? Like, they would have tried to have some sort of way around that. So, do you want me to spit a quick a quick brainstorm theory I just came up with that's based off of what Molly said? Sure. So. The mom was a pageant mom, right? Yeah. So my thought is is that the dad did it to, in his mind, protect John Bonet from Patsy. Like, you know, he wasn't like you, he wasn't a fan of the child beauty pageants. He didn't like how she treated her. So in his mind, he's like, I'm gonna save her. So and there's a part, and this is coming from a part that's coming up that we'll read as soon as we do the autopsy, because I'm not gonna spoil it yet. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. And this is why it links to it for me but like he could have brought her downstairs and said i'm gonna get you away from your mother once and for all and then you know maybe whacked her over the head so she was out cold so she couldn't scream when he suffocated her because she died from asphyxiation like yeah she like she had a, a skull fracture and died of asphyxiation strangulation like that's my idea. It's like he maybe did it in his mind to save her. I don't know. So like, so like the brother could have done it as an accident. Like you know, maybe he knocked her out, thought he killed her, got the mom, and the mom strangled her. I know that's another popular theory. So like the if if we're just going on, they definitely did it theory for like two seconds. There's three prevailing theories that I like could see if it's definitely one of them. One, um. John Bonet didn't do good at a pageant and Patsy got angry. It had some underlying anger issues about her maybe not winning a pageant or something. John didn't was either trying to protect her or get back at Patsy for the um for the pageants or it was a it was a typical child roughhousing with her brother sort of situation and she like hit her head and died and they like tried to cover it up like that seems like the most three logical 
explanations if like we're if we're just going on that that theory that like it was definitely one of the family which like don't get me wrong i'm not saying that that's the case no one sue me please but yeah we have a lot more to cover like this is but like those are the three options that make the most sense there's obviously contradictory evidence evidence for all of it but like part of that reason that there is it that there is all that contradictory evidence for it because how bad the Boulder Police Department took this. Like, literally, like, we're we're kind of, like, skipping over the part where her father picked up the body and brought it upstairs. Like, I, like, I get it. Like, like I'm, I'm thinking about it, and, like, I get it. But, like, at the same time, like, if this is a genuine surprise, why wouldn't you not leave that alone? Like, I wouldn't even, like... I could even bear to like be in the same room. You know what I mean? Like, so much... I think I know why he picked it up. And like again, parent parent moment. Yeah. Maybe he picked her up as a way of holding her in his arms one last time, or like maybe in his mind he's like, "She's not dead. She's not dead. I'm gonna bring her upstairs to get her help." You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if she was in danger or like something was wrong, why she was on the ground, leaving her there in his mind is probably like just about as good as killing her himself. And this is that's under the assumption that he didn't have anything to do with it. But similarly, like you said, there's a chance he could have done it, and he brought her upstairs to destroy more evidence. It just the way that it went, the way that it all went down, just feels like it. It doesn't. It, it has never sat right with me that it's just like that. It was a grief-stricken father. Like I know, like I. I'm not in your same position, so, like, you can tell me to go fuck myself if you want to, but, like... I'm just saying that I see some of the, the points of where he could be innocent in the sense that that's his child. Yeah. But I'm not... I'm also not saying he's innocent, because there's so much that we don't know and we may never know. It, at the very least, seems, like, over almost overstaged, I want to say, but at the same time, not really, if you know, if you understand what I'm saying. The next part of this thing is the autopsy. And that's what, like, there's going to be a point here where I was hinting at something that I see that we don't know yet, but is feeding that theory I had about John. Yeah. The autopsy revealed that John Bonet had been killed by strangulation and a skull fracture. The official cause of death was asphyxia by strangulation associated with craniocerebral trauma. There was no evidence of conventional rape, although sexual assault could not be ruled out. Although no semen was found, there was evidence that there had been a vaginal injury. At the time of the autopsy, the pathologist recorded that it appeared her vaginal area had been wiped with a cloth. Her death was ruled a homicide. A garrote that was made from a length of nylon cord and the broken handle of a paintbrush was tied around JonBenet's neck and had apparently been used to strangle her. Part of the bristle end of the paintbrush was found in a tub containing Patsy's art supplies, but the bottom third of it was never found, despite extensive searching of the house by police. The autopsy revealed a vegetable or fruit material which may represent pineapple, which John Bonet had eaten a few hours before her death. Photographs of the home had taken had uh, photographs of the home taken on the day John Bonet's body had was found show a bowl of pineapple on the kitchen table with a spoon in it. However, neither John nor Patsy said they remembered putting the bowl on the table or feeding pineapple to John Bonet. Police reported that they found John Bonet's nine-year-old brother Burke Ramsey's fingerprints on the bowl. 
The Ramses have always said that Burke slept for the entire night until he awakened several hours after the police arrived. If you're if you're wondering where I what got my attention, yeah. it was the bit about the pineapple. So, and obviously it says Burke's fingerprints were on there. Any of their fingerprints could have been on there. They're just naming Burke because people like to fucking blame the brother. He's nine. I don't think he had anyone to fucking kill somebody. Um, but like the dad could have come downstairs, right? Seen yeah. John Bonet and Burke both up. Burke maybe got the bowl of pineapple there about shirt. He said, Burke, go to bed. And he let John Bonet stay up and he started talking to her, told her to eat some pineapple, whatever. And in that in those moments, that's when he could have realized that, like, you know, he's yeah, this is my baby girl. And I don't like how Patsy's doing all this with her. And that that right there was the thing that like made me latch onto it. Yeah. It's like that he could have shared a nice moment with her over pineapple at whatever time of the night and then brought her down to the basement and just killed her. No one would know. Like Burke wouldn't know if he told him to go to bed and Burke's upstairs going to bed. Patsy could have already been asleep. The only person who would know who had happened were John and John Bonet. And even then you can't prove it. Yeah. That doesn't, the only, the only thing I don't like about that theory is that that kind of just glosses over the note. You know what I mean? Right. Or, like, what if after the fact he killed her, then he goes up and writes the note? You know, he was like, oh, shit, like, I have to make it look like somebody else did this. <laughs> this case is just so, like, weird, man. Like, I mean, we can, be, we can be sure of one thing. If one of the Ramses did commit the murder, the note was staged. They did it after the fact, after she was dead. They, like... Oh, yeah, definitely. Right, and I just want to point that out in case anyone's like, "Well, the the note would make sense if the dad killed her." No, it's fake. It, I I gloss over the note in some of the theories I think of because the note is just so nonsensical and weird to me. Yeah, like, especially if you read it. I'm not reading the full note because, as I said, it's fucking long, and it's yeah. in actual handwriting, which I am not going to make the attempt to read. Yeah, because like God, some of these words I can't. Like, I'm looking at it right now, and it says, We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction, but the word faction looks like scribbles. And I'm only able to, to make out what it says because I can make out broad strokes of letters. Yeah, and the, um, a run-of-the-mill kidnapper or murderer saying that they are, like, representing a foreign faction, or, like, that's just, like, it seems like out of left field. Um, the next part of the article is blood samples. In December 2003, a for, uh, forensic investigators extracted enough material from a blood, mixed blood sample found on JonBenet's underwear to establish a DNA profile. That DNA belonged to an unknown male person and excluded the DNA of each of the Ramses. The DNA was submitted to the FBI's Combined DNA Index System, or CODIS, a database containing more than 1.6 million DNA profiles, but the sample did not match any profile in the database. In October 2016, a reporter said that a new forensic analysis with more sensitive techniques revealed that the original DNA contained genetic markers from two individuals other than John Bonet. A. James Kohler, who was the lead investigator for the DA's office, said that, it, that there were traces of male DNA found on the cord and paintbrush that Boulder District Attorney Mary, uh, Mary Lacey did not mention. 
and that there were six separate DNA samples belonging to unknown individuals that were found by the test. Former FBI profiler Candace DeLong believes that the DNA, having shown up identically in several different places on multiple surfaces, belongs to the killer. Former Adams County, Colorado District Attorney Bob Grant, who was, has assisted the Boulder DA's office on the case for many years, also believes that the DNA evidence is significant, saying that any resolution of the case would have to explain how the DNA showed up on several pieces of John Bonet's clothing. Forensic pathologist Michael Baden said trace amounts of DNA can get on places and clothing from all different non-suspicious means. There is no forensic evidence to show that this is a stranger murder. And there was another thing that was again mentioned in Unsolved, but not in this. Yeah. A sealed brand new pack of underwear you get in the store can have yeah. trace DNA by the people who made it. Yeah, exactly. Like this is another point I was gonna bring up that I don't <laughs> believe the uh that I don't believe the DNA on our clothes is a conclusive thing. Right. I just like because of that, because they they like they basically did like a set of tests where they basically did this with a completely unopened pack of clothes, the same type of clothing that she was wearing, and it came out with forensic date like basically came out with uh the same type of trace forensic data that they came out with in John Bonet's case. Right. It it's just the 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 DNA thing is so hard. Anything like, it's just so hard because you don't know. And like them saying that there was like trace DNA from on her clothes and then multiple places in the house. Like I don't like they are completely correct in saying like though like the DNA that was found could definitely have gotten there by completely unsuspicious means. You know, there's people in the there there were. There were people in the house, like, the day her body was found. Like, who's to say that the DNA evidence that they found all over the house wasn't, like, from a family friend that's been over a bunch? Like, like it's, an, it's entirely possible that, like, a family friend, like, hugged her in that same outfit, like, months ago before then. And the trace DNA that they found is, like, from a family friend. You know, you know what I mean? Like... Like without conclusive, like without without like without conclusive evidence, there it's just like there's nothing there, you know. And they like, and a lot of people point to the DNA evidence as to like, a lot of people point to the DNA evidence as a reason that they didn't do it. And I don't, I don't think the DNA because of like, because of how tainted the crime scene was in the multiple ways that it was tainted. I don't yeah, think it's just there's too much fucked up about We the we can't, we can't give I don't I don't think we can give any uh I don't think we can give any legion any uh any stock to the DNA evidence and that is in the that house at all especially after uh especially after it's been it, it was tampered with as much as it was Right there's just there's no telling Exactly yeah there's how the how would you know? Like, there's, I don't think there's any way. Hey guys, Josh from the editing booth here. Um, with the uh, length of this discussion that we were having with John Benet Ramsey, um, I did decide it was best to cut off the recording at this point and have this be our first two parter. 
Um, the rest of the discussion is to follow in a future episode of the Big Pie True Crime. Um, thank you for um, coming out to support the podcast as usual. We really do appreciate that. And uh, yeah, the next episode will be the finale of our discussion into the John Benet Ramsey case. Have a good rest of your day.